initiate startup process. Now, all the way live. Hey, yo, <laughs> y'all know what this is. Jamming the most hip-hop and R&B. I want to introduce to y'all. Infamous. Call your friends and tell them it's going down now. It's going down. Woo! You understand that? This is live. Let's go. In five, four, three, two, one. Peace and blessings to you and yours. The infamous Amade is the official host of Boom Bap Nation's live interactive series. Make sure you uh, follow Boom Bap Nation on all social media platforms. And one of the amazing things that has happened today, Boom Bap Nation has officially reached 1 million fans on social media. Matter of fact, I got the round of applause. Now, Boom Bap Nation, 1 million fans. And we strive to continue to bring you some more original content. Make sure you follow my show at the infamous hour. And right now I have one of the great legendary MCs. He honestly needs no introduction. You see them on the other side. Cassidy, what's up, brother? What's up with you, boy? Thanks for having me, man. Nah, we're super excited to have you. Um, I mean, you've been in the game for a while, but let's take us back to pre-Rough um, Rider, Full Surface. Uh, what, was the, what was the temperature in Philly like when you were on the come up, you know, participating in street battles and that type of thing? It was hard, man. Philly a hard city, man. All of the dudes is competitive and got bars. So to come up out of that city was pretty difficult. But I had the city on smash. So that's why I was like a number one draft pick. Because if my name was even coming up in Philly, it means a lot. But for people to be saying I'm the best in the city, that means a hell of a lot. So mm-hmm. everybody was coming to the city looking for me. I was a big draft pick when I was running through Philly. So it definitely played a major part in how competitive I am, how hungry I am. My slang, the griminess, that all play a part. Mm-hmm. So I really did a lot for me. Um, when you were coming up, because we got kind of introduced to uh, to Philly artists, like kind of around the time you came up, even like Rockefeller days, um, I heard Ice-T say, I think it was Schooly D, was was the person that he actually got gangster rap from, who was actually from Philadelphia. But just you coming up, uh, who were some of the guys that you idolized? So, you know, Schooly D, Cool C, Steady B, E-S-T. You know what I mean? All of the dudes that was in Philly and the city doing anything. Um, artists that came before me is like um, major figures. Uh, Eve. Um, uh, like uh, a lot of artists came before me, you know what I'm saying? That was doing their thing. And I was inspired a little bit by all of them artists. Not just the Philly artists, but artists all around. R&B artist, my first manager was William Hart, the lead singer of the Delphonics. So oh, that really? was a group I was a fan of. Um, I was um, cool with the Stylistics, another big singing group. They took me on tour, so I got to see them perform before I thought about getting a deal. So, you know what I mean? I had a lot of little experience, a lot of little relationships and stuff like that ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, how how important was the soul culture, like the actual soul music? I mean, you, you mentioned some legendary artists. We know Teddy Pettigrass was from Philadelphia. Um, you know, how did that actually play into the creation of music on your side? A lot, man. I grew up in the hip hop and in, in that soul music and that Philly soul feel. You know what I'm saying? My parents was in that vibe before I was born. My dad and my mom used to rap, used to be in the hip hop and in that type of music. So I was brought up around it. That's all I used to hear. So I'm sure it played a part in the way I want to make music, the way I hear music, the way I like music. I'm sure that's what made me. Punchlines are obviously your, uh, the thing that people know you for the most, um, but, but, but songwriting as well. How do you come into a situation where you're writing a record, let's say like an R&B record, and you don't feel, 
you, then you're going to sacrifice bars when you're actually creating the record. I kind of feel like nowadays, a lot of guys, they sacrifice bars. They dumb it down. Even back in the 90s, they did the same. But you particularly, like, what is the strategy when you go to when just creating that type of record? I don't feel like when you, there's no formula for no type of record. That's like um, a business thing. Like people that don't understand that culture, they need statistics. They need something to follow to be able to understand it because they're not a part of the culture. So that's where that come from. But I don't believe that there's no formula for making a song. Like you got to go this way to make a radio song and Mm -hmm. do this to make a street song and do this to make a party song. Like Mm -hmm. there's no formula for none of that. Like you're supposed to just make music and whatever it come out to be, that's what it come out to be. You know what I mean? That's the best way to make music. When you try to make a music in a certain direction, it sounds like you're trying to do it like that. And I kind of think that kind of dumbed the music down. And I feel like to give you an example, any record could be a hit. Like I came out with records like Hotel and Get No Better, which mm-hmm. is top 40 type of records, mm-hmm. not a lot of cursing, like real commercial for the ladies. Mm-hmm. But then I believe that I'm a hustler was a hit. The label that I was with at the time didn't think it could be a big record because I'm talking about hustling. So they're like, yo, that can't make the radio. That's not going to win. That's not commercial. But it was the first platinum ringtone. It was a big hit. And I was locked up when it actually dropped. So it would have been even bigger if I was home to actually promote. Mm. So um, I don't feel there's no real um, outline for how to make a hit, how to make a club record, a radio record, or nothing. And I try to go hard on everything, whether Mm. it's a freestyle um, feature with somebody else, a song, a hit record, whatever. I try to go hard and I never cheat on the science none of the time. Mm-hmm. So if you could kind of paint the picture, so when the I'm a Hustler record dropped, um, you were actually in trouble at that time. Uh, just take us, you know, kind of how that whole situation played out and then releasing a major record, which is obviously, you know, it was your first major record and uh, and how the promotion process went. And then you actually had the video. So was the video shot after? Like, how did that whole thing work? Uh, um, the situation actually happened after I shot I'm a Hustler video and I shot one more video, B-Boy Stance. Mm-hmm. So I shot the two videos before I went in. Mm-hmm. But, um, when the album actually dropped, I was locked up. I think I was locked up about two weeks before the album dropped. <clears throat> so I didn't get to go on a real serious promo run and get to promote it. And it was hard. I mean, <clears throat> it was like a big time in my life. I was super excited. And then it just got taken away from me. I got locked up and they was talking about giving me life for the death penalty. Yeah. Like you might not never come home again. So it definitely was hard to deal with. You know, how difficult is it balancing street life and hip-hop life? Um, you know, we, we, we all start in the streets. We segue ourselves into hip-hop. Um, and where do you draw the line as an artist when you start seeing a level of success? We, we kind of see certain people still playing in the streets when they achieve success. But just for you personally, when should the line be drawn? It's hard. Certain artists need street dudes around them for protection, for advice the storylines, for things to talk about. So it'd be hard for them to separate themselves even when they do get some success. So everybody different, everybody's story different. I guess it depends on your team, the type of heart you got, what you've been through and what you're willing to go through. I -hmm. guess it it all depends on the situation. How did the whole situation with Swiss Beats happen? Uh, How did you guys meet and you ended up signing the full surface? Um, 
I signed the Rough Riders first when I was 17. Got it. Got down with them when I was 16 years old and signed the record deal when I was 17. And Swiss was like the biggest, well, one of the biggest producers over at Rough Riders at the time. So that's how we started to build our relationship. And I was running around battling all of the time. So my name was coming up to everybody that was around because I was getting so busy. So that's how we got a relationship. And eventually he wanted to start his own production company, but he needed artists. I was in a three-man group called Larceny Family. He was on Ride or Die Volume 2 and Volume 3. You could go check that out if you ain't familiar. But um, not you. I'm talking about the people watching. But Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we was in a three-man group, but Swiss wanted me as a solo artist to start his own production company. So I started working with Swiss, and then I went and got an artist deal with J Records, Sony, BMG, Cloud, yeah. Davis, Charles Gold, stuck in them. Mm-hmm. That's when I got a budget to work on my own project with Swiss Beats. Mm-hmm. But I got with him from being down with Rough Riders because that's where we both started. Yeah, and and that project was Split Personality. I actually want to ask you about some records on Split Personality. Let's talk about uh, Drinking in My Two-Step, for example. Um, how, how did that whole record come about? Um, Drinking Two-Step was on my album Bars. That was the album that I dropped after I came home from the jail situation and the accident. Um, after I came home from jail, I got in a nearly fatal accident. I was in a coma for about nine days, then I suffered am- um, amnesia. And I lost my memory, so it took a couple months for me to get my memory back and start being able to work. So I put it put together an album called Bars, Barry Adrian Reese Story. Mm-hmm. I was getting real deep on that album because of what I just overcame. Mm-hmm. But Drinking Two-Step was one of the records that was more on the upside. It still had a party feel. It still had, like, some up energy, but it was still talking about some of the things that I went through. Mm-hmm. But most of the records on that album was, like, deeper and sadder and more serious so that was like one of the more funner records on the album that we made the first single for that project bars and yeah. um, we shot the video um in la i think yeah i think we was in la and it was after i came home from jail and after i went through the accident and started working again that's when we came with the bars album i mean the bars album and the drinking two that was the first single then we came with the Drinking Two-Step remix with um Kanye and Neo on it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I mean, that, that that was hitting the clubs crazy. An- another record that that uh, tore the clubs down, and, and I think DJ still to this day is Hotel. Um, what, what was that experience like creating that record? It was a beautiful thing because this was my first album. I didn't even have a single out. Yep. So they were talking about different celebrities that I might could collab with. Mm-hmm. And I got a chance to work with Jada Kiss, Styles, Snoop, a bunch of big people. But then they put together an idea for me to work with R. Kelly. And I always was a fan of his music. So I was like, yo, that's crazy. And this is my first single. Mm-hmm. So we flew out to Chicago, went to his studio, told him the idea of the record. And he just went in the booth and went crazy right away. And that's how he came out with the record, Hotel. When you look at when you look at your catalog and, and you become you know in a performance situation, um, obviously this would be a go to record. But because of the path that we've seen kind of play out in the media, do you ever feel like you shouldn't go into that pocket with this record, or you know, is it an experience you just kind of chalk it up? Um, well, when we did Hotel, that was about um, I say. 17, 18 years ago, it was a long time ago when we did the record, you know what I'm saying? And that was my first time meeting R. Kelly. I was a fan. 
I don't got nothing to do with the issues, whether they true or false or right or wrong. Like I'm not familiar with it. I don't know. Um, and this is a beautiful song. It means a lot to me. So I don't really, I, I can't really get into that because then it'd be an issue with probably every feature I got because everybody did something or got a story or something that they supposedly did. And I don't got time to research everybody in the industry. You know what I'm saying? I pretty yeah. much just like to make music. Yeah. Um, you know, moving past that, you actually signed with Carmelo Anthony's uh, record label, which I don't even think a lot of people, that, uh, you know, outside of the music industry knew that Carmelo Anthony had an actual record label. So how did that actual whole connection happen? Um, actually, I didn't sign the Carmelo label. Um, I got free free from J Records and Four Surfers. I was totally free, independent. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to stay that way. I wasn't in a rush to go sign back with a major label. When I already was a household name, I pretty much knew the business and I knew I could do it independently. But I needed some investors so that I could be moving around like I was with a major but still be independent. Yeah. Instead of getting an investor that don't understand the culture or understand me, I start thinking like, yo, I know a couple people that's getting money, basketball players and things like that, you know what I'm saying? So I started trying to figure it out. And I came at Mellow, presented the situation to him and he was interested. So I wasn't signed to um, Carmelo label. We had a partnership and he was just an um, investor into my production company, which was Larceny Family Entertainment at that time. And we released a project called Cash on E1. It's an um, album out is on all platforms. It's called Cash. And um, he invested into that project with the partnership, but I never was signed to Carmelo label. But he did have a record label called Crossover Entertainment. And... Um, we partnered up, so that's why you might have seen crossover entertainment and seen us together working. Yeah. But yeah, it kind of felt like yo, yeah, you. Was I never signed to Carmelo because he he plays basketball. You know what I'm saying? And I wouldn't right. sign. I wouldn't want to sign to a person that don't. You know what I'm saying? That's not in the culture. Mm -hmm. Like you know what I mean, so um, I wasn't signing to his record label, but we did have a partnership that we that we worked out to be able to do business so that I could stay independent. And ever since then, I never signed back with a major. I've been independent ever since. So it was a good learning experience, and I appreciate Melo for, you know what I mean, helping me get it started. Yeah. Um, the, the concept of independence as an artist is, is, is something, you know, even from the early 90s, probably even the late 80s. Uh, what, is it, what are some of the major differences between being signed to a major label and staying independent? But, you know, besides freedom of being able to create what you want. Um. Well, that's the most important, the freedom and being able to create everything you want. But if you do create something that you want and is a success, you get to reap all of the benefits. For one, everybody going to know that you're responsible for putting it together and you were able to get all of the money that comes from it. Mm -hmm. Not like a bunch of hands in it that gets the majority of the money and then give you a little piece. It's like you get the majority of the money and then you decide to pay it whoever deserves to get paid. So it's a huge difference. Like, you know what I'm saying? When you're talking about business, when you're talking about freedom. Um, and I guess it depends on your personality. Like, I got the type of personality where I need my freedom. I need to be able to do things that I like to do so that I can continue to stay creative. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, so listen, so, so we have this new uh, record. Well, I think the record's already released right now, but we have this, this video we're about to play right now here on Boom Bat Nation Live Interactive Series. Uh, Cassidy's here. If you want to talk to Cassidy, there's actually a Zoom uh, number in there where you can jump on and ask him a question. But Cassidy, uh, debut this new record that we're about to play right now. This is a new record. It's called The Never Plan. Crazy, crazy record, man. And you always got to have another plan. You can't put all your eggs in one basket and rely on one thing. So this mm -hmm. is what it is. Me and music. All right, say no more. So, different side of the day is Boom Bat Nation Live Interactive Series. Once again, uh, Cassie the Hustler, he's here right now. If you want to talk to him, there's a Zoom link. Just look for the Zoom link, and let's debut this video. Maybe we'll get some people to talk to him right here on Boom Bat Nation's Live Interactive Series. Boom Bat Nation Live Interactive Series. Once again, I'm your host of Infamous Time of Day. Make sure you tune in to me, SiriusXM, Shade 45, the Lord's Series special every single Thursday, 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. I have... Cassidy in the building. We just debuted that new record, dope video, dope vibe. Is this what we, we're getting moving forward with this upcoming project you have? Even crazier than that, man. It's going to get even crazier. Yeah. Introduction. Yeah. I mean, you, you were telling me that you had like 40 records that you recorded for this album. So, so how does that process go? Do you just record as many records as possible and then weave it out? Yeah, I never stop recording. So I always got more records than what I need. And that's how you be able to get the best, um, you know what I mean, best projects. So I narrow them down. Um, sometimes I might put them all out. Like I released projects that had um, 36, 37, 40 records on it before. So sometimes yeah. it just depends. I might put them all out. Sometimes I might space them out, put them on different projects. It just depends on the situation. Yeah. Um why do you think people are putting out projects that actually have less records on it? Like I, I remember, you know, buying big puns album and he had 24 songs and then, you know, 50s first amount of albums had, you know, 20 records on there. Why do you think we only get like seven records, eight records uh, in 2020 when we get these new albums? Cause dudes lazy. And then the business trying to tell them that people got a short attention span now. Mm -hmm. So because they get fed that they think they could do less work and get, more hits and more attention now. So they want to put less work in because before, um, if you did that 20 record project, if you had three big singles off that 20 something songs, that them three singles will last you forever back in the day. Yeah. Now it's like, you got to just keep coming with records back to back. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of dudes is lazy. So that's why they make smaller projects. Yeah, no, no, I totally agree with you. Actually, we have someone that jumped in the chat right now that actually want to ask a question. Peace, bro. What's your name? What's going on, man? Party G. Oh, Party G in the building. What's up? First of all, I appreciate both of you good brothers up here doing this for the culture, man. Word. No doubt. I, I got Cassidy in the building. You want to ask you something? Um, my question is, I see you dropping the music and stuff, bro. Definitely dope. That last record video they played was definitely dope. Uh, what about the film uh, business? Like, Are you getting back into that or... Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to, man. I got a lot of compliments when I did my other films, so I'm looking forward to it real soon. And I actually just wrote my own first two movies. I never was in the movie writing, but I always was a dope writer, so I figured that I could write movies if I tried. So once I sat down and started getting into it, it started coming to me crazy. And my writing style is easy to understand like my raps, but complicated too. It's a lot of twists and turns in it. So I love my writing style, and I can't wait to bring it to the table. Hopefully, I start shooting, like, the end of the year or the top of next year. Word, word, uh, I'd right. be looking out for that, bro, and appreciate you guys, man. No doubt. Uh, Party G, shout your social media real quick. 
Um, you can add me on all platforms at the Real Party G. All right, no doubt. Peace of us, the party G. All right, Cassidy. Uh, so, 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 one of the things that we do here at the Boom Bat Nation Live Interactive Series, we have this thing called the Punchline Academy, where we actually have like artists jump on the live and, and spit some bars, and we get artist feedback. So, I, we actually have like two or three artists. Uh, Vince, can you uh, tap them in? Uh, f- first up, uh, th- this guy's been jumping on my Instagram live, Cassidy. He does something dope. It's kind of like a beatboxing type of thing. Uh, peace, brother. Uh, introduce yourself. Tell them where you're from. Yeah, what's going on, man? It's your boy Castro Zaytana. Rep Staten Island. You know, I mean, you can follow me, Castro underscore Zay Channel. All right, peace. Hey, yo. Yo, Castro, my love, Castro. Let's go. Salute. Yeah, yo. Hey, yo, we cruising in the bands, pumping weight guard. You would get your chain roll. Cake stash money, get a graveyard. Get that dope wave. You can get your vein scarred. Slave hard. Just so I can never put the day job. It's not hard. Hit it, not because they brain hard. Y'all got love for your family. Castro, real quick, uh, how do you actually do that? Like, you know, focus. It's, like he said, it's, it's different because you, you. It's one thing to focus on writing around, then you got to focus on beating on the wall, and staying in time. And so, how does that actually work for you? Yeah, that's rare. Well, Stevie Wonder, yeah, do that. Play instruments and sing and keep the beat at the same time. But you yeah, that's crazy. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Do that. That's mm-hmm. dope. That well, I, I I learned that when I was in a um, I learned that when I was in juvenile. And try on back in the day in um, DFY, there was this kid doing it. So I, I always wanted to know how you did. I was like 13 years old. He said, man, you just gotta just rap and just disconnect your hand from your mind. So every day I used to practice. So one day in my future, one day when I become a millionaire, billionaire, whatever, I'm gonna come out with my own boom bat machine. It's gonna be for anybody that wanna that wanna perform in the street, Apollo, hip hop is gonna have his own instrument. It's gonna be the Boom Bap 1000, and you can beat on it and put different sounds on it. Everything. It's gonna be all over the world. So that, that's my biggest dream, and that's how that's my biggest performance. I'm known for beating on the wall and rapping. That's my that's my thing. And every 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 uh-huh. every, every time he's on live, if it's on live, I go to his live, and that's my thing, man. Beating on the wall and entertaining the people, man. Thank you, Cassidy, and thank you, uh, that's, man. Work. That's super unique. That's your own shit, man. Even the way you rapping you, and put the words, you wasn't cheating on the science, so you got to keep it up, man. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, bro. I am, man. I'm working. I'm working. Yeah. Nice. Castro, thanks for tapping in. Peace and blessings. 
All right, no doubt. I think we actually have one more person. Vince, we have somebody else, right, that, that's, that's going to come on and, and uh, spit some bars. Uh, we got the Hustle Cassidy. There's a Zoom link right now on Boom Bap Nation. If you want to join the call, we actually debuted a, a new Cassidy record. We've been having some amazing stories talking about past, present, and future. Uh, I think apparently we have someone. Maybe we don't. Um, Cassidy, uh, 2020 and beyond, until we get somebody else on the call, uh, 2020 and beyond, what is the future for Cassidy? We, we, we see you did the battle rapping thing, which is not new to you. Let's be clear. It's not new to you. You started as a battle rapper. Moving past that, where are we going the new project the energy these movies i told you i just wrote they got to bring me back to battle rap too because i run it i sell the most tickets sell the most pay-per-views i'm the biggest thing in battle rap so they just trying to get their money up to bring me back i'll be talking to them all the time so we're about to do something real soon mm-hmm. i got jag you know that he from south central but he's now on my yeah. team he about to battle math high for soon mm-hmm. so that's going to be a good look. Let him get in there first, and then I'll be back probably more towards the end of the year or whenever they get their bread up to bring me back. Yeah. I'm always ready. Like, if you get somebody on the Zoom right now, and they say they got the right amount of chicken for me, then I could battle tonight, tomorrow, whenever, like, whenever they... Oh, fantastic. I think we have somebody else. Oh, peace and blessings, brother. What's your name and where you from? Hey, I'm live. Yeah, yeah we alive. Peace. What's your name? Where you from? Peace. Mr. Mo Seda from Long Branch, New Jersey. All right. You can find me on Instagram at Big Mac Extra Cheese or uh, Mr. Mo Seda. All right. You got some balls. Let's dare to it. Balls. I said, look, I said, give me six feet. You too close. Only thing I'm touching is bad blue notes. In my early 20s with old money and you broke, I put an order in. My work come in on two boats. I could get it to you like Space Ghost. Coast to coast, I'm like Pac-Man, how I slide through in that blue ghost. I'm prolific, my mind different, I grind different, so I shine different, because when you eating, your time different. In a little minute, a walkthrough gonna cost you. I just broke a whole bird down, and I off too. Got it tapped on a little and got it raw too, and I don't even go in the house until it's all moved. I'm winning now, mink coach in the winning now. I'm living out the dreams I had in the beginning now. You know, you know that was winning, they all finished now. I still got the same flow. You see how the game go? Used to hug corners and trap gun in the raincoat. Now I've been in the same corner whipping the reins, though. But now my city ain't the same, though. And all the real ones locked in the cell or in the grave, though. That's why I stay up in my lane, though. And even though I know that what we do is wrong, I never change, though. I got the blueprint to the game, though. The ruler back like mice and the peas. I be glued to traps. Hand-in-handed dog food and crack. The block rocking on, they rocking to the moon and back. And I just hit cause and slide. I don't get too attached. This hoes in my DM like Big Mac. You a snack. I just sent the kiss of your emoji. Why you ain't do it back? I hit him back like Big Mac. Who was that? I couldn't even get the time of day when I ain't used to rap. Trying to escape from poverty with bands like the lottery. Can't knock the hustle. Knock the game man who spotted me. The hardest out with 500 how I started out. Not every salon and barber shop and who they talking about. They talking about a check. Ain't really shit to talk about. <laughs> Go. What's up? Hey, man. Like ice in the in the projects, I'm glued to the track and stuff like that. Uh, hey, boy. I mean, yeah, man, I'm just starting around with my wordplay like this. Really, though, I'm like I'm a versatile artist. Like I don't just do just straight rap music. I do like R and B too. You feel me? Like I can sing a little bit too. You feel me? So it's like I'm real versatile with it. And I'm, it's just like then the Punchline Academy even bringing the bars out of me. All right, super dope. Social media, real quick. Hey, my social media, uh, Big Mac Extra Cheese on Instagram. 
Mr. Most Hated on Instagram and Facebook. All right, peace, brother. Uh, uh, Cassie, real quick, before we end this interview, uh, what is the different preparation like when, when you're going into an actual battle as opposed to going to do a record? Because obviously with the battle rap, it's a lot more animated in a sense because they become animated throughout time. Like, you know, we was rapping in the projects, let's say you wasn't so, and not, not you, but just anyone in general who's battle rapping. It was more, just more about the bars. But now it's like a whole presentation, like a whole show. Uh, so what is that like when actually stepping into that arena? I believe there's different strokes for different folks. Like, it's people that like the animation stuff, but there's a bunch of people that don't like it. Like, it's a lot of battle rap fans in the world that don't watch these battle rap leagues. Yeah. Like you don't see the views as big as like if, you know what I'm saying, a regular artist dropped like way more battle rap fans that's not tuned in because they don't really like what's going on. Yeah. So all you got to do is just do what you do best. Stick mm -hmm. to what you do. And you're going to please your fan base, your crowd. Don't try to be like nobody else. Don't try to jump or do a step like somebody else or do a sound like somebody else. Mm -hmm. Just do what you do to the best of your ability. And there's going to be enough people in the world that's going to appreciate that for you to be able to maintain. No, definitely. Cassie, I appreciate you coming to Boom Bat Nation Live Interactive Series. I'm your host, Infamous Amadeus. Make sure you watch my show, The Infamous Hour, all FM radio stations across the country, Sirius XM, Shane 45, of course. Uh, Cassidy, so do we have a name for this new project coming up? The Energy. The Energy. The Energy. Out soon. And make sure you support Cassidy. Uh, are, are we stepping into the battle ring anytime soon? Hopefully before the year out, they call me back, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, last question. How do you think that the battle rap arena is going to operate differently with now social distancing rules in place? And now with this COVID and the whole way things have been structured, how do you think that dynamic is going to change? Well, things are eventually going to open back up, but they have been putting out battles, quarantine battles or things like that. Mm -hmm. And I actually think it's been dope because um, there's no interference of the crowd. There's no interference of outside stuff you just get to focus on the bars and who's saying the best stuff and who the best rapper and yeah. that's what battle rap really about figuring out who the best mm -hmm. not like outside interferences like yeah. you know what I'm yeah and it's, like, it's cool to have outside interferences but it shouldn't be the point to where it could affect the game like you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, it definitely makes sense. Uh Cassie, I appreciate you coming on the infamous hour Boom Bat Nation live interactive series. Shout your social media real quick. Cassidy underscore Larceny. Everybody tuned in, go to the website too. It's www.cassidythehustler.com. And the hustler, D-A-H-U-S-T-L-A, not E-R. Cassidythehustler.com, all of the merchandise, snapbacks, dad hats, sweatsuits. We even got Corona masks. Everybody log in. And Cassidy underscore Larceny, my social media, blue check, I'm verified, you know it's official. Mm -hmm. I'm out here, man. And all of the artists that's tuned in, if y'all want to get in contact or do any type of business, get with me at Liddy at Gmail. All right. Always Liddy. All right. It's Miss Amadea, Series XF, Shade 45, The Lost Here Special, Boom Bap Nation, Live Interactive Series. I'm your host. Let's get into this classic Cassidy record Boom right Bap now. Nation, salute y'all, man. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, what up? This is your boy, Uncle Murder. And right now, you rocking with the infamous Amadeus. Whoa! Back. Infamous Amadeus on behalf of Boom Bat Nation live interactive series. Make sure you follow Boom Bat Nation, all social media platforms, and one of the amazing things that have happened today. Boom Bat Nation has hit one million followers. Round of applause. Oh, man. Oh, one million man. followers today. Nice. Oh, nice. Uh, 
to the citizens of Boom Bat Nation, uh, you've been seeing like a lot of memes. You've been seeing like a lot of these different things. But different some days, I've partnered up with Boom Bat Nation to bring you a live interactive series where we, we are bringing you some legendary artists. And right now, I mean, when you talk about legendary, the two guys right now on the screen, uh, what can we say? Jersey's own Vin Rock and KG of Naughty by Nature. What's up? Yo, what yo, up? yo, what's going on? Boom Bat Nation, well, congratulations to that million followers, man. That's a hell of an accomplishment. And I've been seeing, you know, on the gram and all over the internet, the Boom Bat Nation, you know, spark up there. So y'all been doing your thing for a minute. Yeah, uh, you know, here at Boom Bat Nation, we strive to kind of be, you know, the social media platform for not only legendary artists, but for the new artists as well to break out the, the Boom Bat sound. And, you know, let's, let's go kind of go back to the beginning. Uh, what was the temperature like in Jersey when you guys decided to actually, you know, uh, KG, you was a DJ, uh, then you're MC. Uh, what kind of inspired you in Jersey to kind of get into the music industry? Just like everywhere else, man, like hip hop as a whole, man, us seeing the culture, growing up in the culture, you know, us having older brothers and sisters and it being embedded in, in Illtown back then. You know, they had gangs running around, little Death Valley gangs and all types of stuff. And then here, come hip, here comes hip hop, man. And we all just fell in love with it. Ben was breakdancing. Mm -hmm. He said, I got into DJing. And then we, we just came together. We came together, man. And and then we um we met up with and Tretch was doing the same thing. Me and Vin lived close to each other. So we were in the, more in the, um like like blocks from each other. And then Tretch was a few blocks over from us more. And then once we got into high school we ran into Tretch. And then we we put it all together. That's how I got started, man. Yeah. Um, you know, when we look at hip hop in, in, uh, in 2020, you know, the original elements of hip hop are, are kind of forgotten, uh, particularly the DJ, the breakdancing. Um, what do you think this whole disconnection happened between the original assets of hip hop to the younger audience? Um, I think it was all just going corporate, you know, back in the day, especially even when we came out, hip hop was run by independent record labels. So from Sleeping Bag to Tommy Boy, the next plateau profile records, these were underground labels in the underground hip hop scene, while all of the majors were still into the big haired 80s rock bands, you know, so it was still organic. It was raw. It was all purist involved in it. And then once the majors got involved and threw all the big money behind it, you know, it just stripped it of that authenticity. And they started going for gimmicks and whatever would work and commercializing it. So I think a lot of the original elements got lost in that mix. However, I will say that in indie hip-hop, there's tons of kids who keep that original boom-bap sound. I mean, you go all over the world, especially in the Netherlands, Amsterdam, and Europe, they break dance like there's no tomorrow. You know, you still got Rozelle and them out there beatboxing. A ton of people like the beatbox. It's just not as invested in, you know. So I see mm -hmm. that's where the disconnect happened. It's still there, but it's not being invested in. Yeah, yeah I, if you go, even if you go overseas, like if you go over to Japan and all those places, they love they love classic hip hop, break break dancing and all that. They're doing all of that. The original culture of hip hop is still alive overseas, unfortunately. And I mean, not unfortunately, fortunately, but fortunately. you know, like you said here, you know, some of it has um along the way got sort of lost. But like Ben mentioned, there is still a a, a few people out there that's still doing you know classic hip hop. And with all the um, elements involved as well, too. 
Yeah. Um, before before I get into the whole journey that you guys took to get, you know, action to hip hop and, and where we are now, um, I'd like to kind of ask all of the people that I talk to here on Boom Bat Nation Live Interactive Series, if you think that the younger generation of, of uh, well, the, the new generation of Boom Bat artists are making a mistake by not creating a commercial sound. It kind of seems like just a rebellious thing within the new generation of hip hop artists that there's just no club music. There's kind of no diversity. Um, is this a mistake or you think we'll just have to accept this moving forward? I think you just have to accept it. I mean, that's is their interpretation. They're doing what they know. You know, it's, it's just a little bit different. Um, and, but even even with that, I think there's a few people, but I understand what you're saying. Like, overall, like, a lot of it tends to fall within the same category, the same speed a lot of times, and the same vibe. I would personally love to see a little more diversity going on with it, but, yeah, I, th- I just think they're just doing their best interpretation of hip-hop. Well, and I think another thing is, is that, you know, sometimes this younger generation, they have a cop out, you know? So it's just like our kids, maybe they're a bit lazy, they're taking lean and and on pills. So if it comes down to, yo, let's break dance, let's get a little active, they don't want to do that. And then you have cats where, you know, the original boom bap sound, it was boom bap beats you would dig in the crates find floss samples program your drums and have a crazy sound then on top of that you had to be a lyricist you had to come with some real true bars and now you got cats like ah nah i don't do that i don't do that and i just yeah yeah no skill no wordplay no nothing and that's a cop-out so when you got kids like disrespecting the origins of the culture and they really don't care all they care about is i got money though they're going to come up with every other gimmick and that's going to be the wave and kids are looking for the easiest path to not be authentic but the fastest path to get money and that's where it's a mistake yeah it is it is i agree with you and i think also with that is just like you know a lot of them (sighs) I don't know, man. It's just, it's, it's missing. It's missing. And then what they'll do is, and what it, what it tends to look like is that guys like us that came out a long time ago have been in the game a long time, who grew up on the culture, who love the culture, who respect the culture. You know, when we talk about these things, about new artists, everybody look at you like you hate them. And it's not even that. It's just that it's the culture. Like, you have to follow rules of the culture. That's just how it is. Right. And that's where you do need gatekeepers and curators. But you do have younger guys like the Kendrick Lamars and uh, Jay Coles and cats like that who straight up spit bars, you know, but it's even the younger guys coming out after them saying, "Ah, well, I'm not a lyricist. That's not my type of hip hop. I'm a rock star now. So now they're literally trying to just flip the hip hop into a whole nother genre. Oh, I'm a rock star. I don't even, that's not rap. What I do isn't considered rap. So as gatekeepers, you know, and as people of the culture, people who want to be curators of the culture, you know, at a certain point, you got to step up and step in and check some guys like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, I, I totally agree with both of you on, on this particular topic. As a radio personality, I often struggle with this uh, when talking to younger artists and even some of the older artists. Um, you know, so so where do we go from here in, in a sense? Uh, you know, the, the, the original aspect of hip hop is kind of, you know, not prevalent in 2020. Uh, where do you guys see this ultimately ending up? 
I see that if we don't, you know, take care of hip hop, if we don't teach our young kids the real raw history of hip hop and really just feed them just the way rock artists do, you know what I mean? They feed their kids the classic Led Zeppelin, Rolling Stones, the Beatles. They make sure that their kids carry their musical legacy. You know what I mean? We have to do the same thing in hip hop or else hip hop is going to get stale and stagnant and it's going to evolve into a whole different music genre. I'm sure that the rock kids didn't think that rock music would dwindle down to such that everyone is running over to hip hop and hip hop is the number one music genre. And I would say, you know, at the same time, Sometimes like a lot of future musicians look at hip hop as a cop out because you don't have to learn to play a guitar. You don't have to learn to play the piano. You don't have to learn to play an instrument. You could just get somebody to do a beat or like half of these beats are mostly pre-programmed. You snatch them off a beat machine or whatever program you had. And then you say a bunch of garbage on top of it. And now you're a one man band out there running. So it's really laziness that's deteriorating music in general you know i even miss the the hip hop and the hip rock shit that uh limp biscuit and all of those guys were doing corn and all of that stuff that they were doing you know we we need our kids to learn music learn how to play instruments and keep music alive authentic too but a lot of it too sometimes with even with the um the side of the music side like a lot of them would think it's easy or a lot of people, period, think it's easy until you put a DAW or put them in front of Pro Tools, put them in front of, you know, Ableton or put them in front of one of these, you know, programs and then tell them, okay, it's easy. Go ahead, operate that. And they don't know where to start, where to begin with it. So there's still, there's a lot of art. And even the people that, you know, the, even a lot of the guys that even frowned upon sampling at the beginning thought and looked upon and looked at sampling as not an art, just as copy, copying somebody's copyright or music or whatever. But this is an art to chopping samples up. There's an art to all of this hip hop as a whole from, from, you know, from the bottom to the top. Yeah. Um, as, as a part of the gatekeepers of hip hop and, and just, you know, kind of feeding off what Vivrock said, um, is it time to start having a conversation where we should start dividing hip hop into genres? Say we rock and roll is kind of like, you know, you have classic rock, you have alternative rock, you have hardcore rock. Should we start doing this with hip hop? I think I think that would be a good idea because, you know, I mean, hip hop is mature and I want to see it mature, you know. So I don't want hip hop to sound the same way it did in 1970, whatever it was, 75, 78, 79. I don't want hip hop to sound the way it did in the 80s. I don't want it to sound the way it did in the 90s. I want the sound to evolve. I want it to diversify. And it is an organic evolution. So when it comes down to it, the older hip hop gets, the more genres or subgenres it will create. So you can have your classic hip hop, you can have your 90s hip hop, you can have your 2000s hip hop, you can have the trap music. I mean, you can have that Southern sound, you can have a West Coast sound. It's all kinds of flavors in hip hop. So it is a beautiful thing at the end of the day. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, be before, we, before we go into like most of the classic records, before the self-titled Naughty by Nature album, we had this independent leaders project. Uh, how did that whole thing come about? 
That was the, uh, that's the beginning, man. I did my homework. I, I came in to talk to you. Yeah, <laughs> man. That's the beginning, man. That's the part of the evolution of Naughty by Nature, man. Like we yeah. were called the New Style. That was what how we formed the group and how we came together straight mm -hmm. out of high school. It started at um, a senior talent show of mine. I, well, I was a senior, been in touch with juniors, and for my senior year, I was in the talent show, and I needed a um. I needed somebody to do something with me. And I um, then was beatboxing and breakdancing with um, a friend that lived right across the street from me. And I always knew that Vin knew how to beatbox. So I was like, Vin, why don't you beatbox for me in this talent show? And I'll just scratch with you and we'll just do a routine. And then we started practicing. So then we were like, you know what would be dope if we get an MC. So Vin was like, I know this guy named Tiny that's in my health class that know that's, that's really dope. So we hooked up with Tiny. That's a story for a whole nother day. How it became Tretch. It started off as Tiny though. Yeah. Tiny, tiny Treachery. Tiny T. Yeah. So yeah. Tiny at the time, and we just did the um the talent show, and I had scratched in the Beastie Boys. It's the new style. We didn't even have a name. It was just me as a senior in the talent show, yeah. and then from there we just start calling ourselves New Style and start running around doing talent shows, and it just stuck with us for a while until we got serious about to it got to the point where we we're about to get a deal and we got with flavor unit and flavor unit told us we needed to change our name and that's how you kind of transition into naughty by nature and then you guys i mean stormed on hip-hop which is i mean the hurricane we've never seen before yeah. opp actually got a chance to dj at madison square garden uh right before the coronavirus hit um and the first record i played was hip-hop parade and i mean in 2020 it was like uh, January 10th, I believe, uh, that I DJ at the Garden for the New York Knicks. 2020 to still play that record and to see the crowd still react the same way they would have done in 1990 is, is amazing. Uh, how did that particular record come about? Well, we did that. I remember working on that actually on a tour bus. We were on tour and we were we were doing a lot of shows because we were um, coming off of obviously off our first album that, that hit big. So we were on road on the road a lot. And Tommy Boy was on our back, like, yo, you guys are taking too long. We like, yeah, yeah. but we, we got to get this money. They like, yeah, okay, that's fine. But I paid you guys for an album. I need an album. <laughs> so we were on the, I remember us being on the bus and um and treacherous and I'm in there just just vibing. Him inventing their vibe and everything. I used to hear that beating it all the time with them just playing it and playing it and playing it. And I think a lot a port of a lot of it was actually created. I think on that on that tour bus. On that tour bus and just going about, you know, and even the chorus. I remember Stretch coming up with the chorus and telling Kay, you know what it sound dope on this track? Hey, oh, hey. Because we always, you know, went uptown in Harlem, um, you know, uh, uh, by the Apollo, Dapper Dan. So we would always hear all of those uptown vibes, you know, so... <laughs> They used to do that in the parties uptown in Harlem. Hey, ho, hey, ho. So we were Jersey boys, and, and we kind of jacked that chorus from uptown party scene, you know? And, <laughs> and talking to Fat Man Scoop, he confirmed it for us because Scoop is from Harlem. So he was our record promotions guys at, at one point, worked for Tommy Boy. So we talked to him. He was like, yo, 
you know we from Jersey, and we know the Hey Ho is an uptown vibe, you know? How did Harlem feel about that? He was like, oh, yeah, we felt some kind of way. Who are these Jersey guys? <laughs> <laughs> Jack, Jack and I flow, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it was super amazing. It, it captivated hip-hop. Uh, and, and then, you know, the other people's property record, uh, how did that whole thing happen? Was that like a gimmick to kind of get everybody's attention? Well, it was like, you know, when we come from the block, you know, we were on the streets doing our thing. And just when you on the block, everybody know that if you ever been on the block, you and your homies always clown about everything. You could be clowning about a crackhead or one of your homies will come on the block and just dress crazy. You'll crack on them. So we had a guy, Moo Brown, who would come to our block and he's like, I'm down with OPM other people's money like he was coming to get money on our block so we just clowned him back it was like yeah well we down with opp other people's so where's your girl at you know what i mean <laughs> and just from that concept clowning him alone you know uh tretch came up with the song k had the beat yeah. and man that that whole concept just came together and you know it's just classic infidelity and that you know what we were talking about earlier like Tretch wrote that song when he's about 18, 19 years old, the song of OPP. So to break down that concept, if you really listen to that song and see how creatively he broke down other and people's and for the men, it was penis. For the women, it was, mm. I mean, for a 19, 18, 19 year old to creatively weave those lyrics into a song like that, it makes you think. Until this day, people really don't understand what that song is about. And then they always come up to us like, what exactly does OPP stand for? I've heard so many things, you know? And then when we tell them and they go back and listen, they're like, wow. I didn't even catch half of the stuff in that song. The subliminal, the subliminal message. And then moving past that, we had the craziest record. Um, I always got like the, the Mad Max feel in a sense, the way the video was done, where it was kind of like the lights at the top. You guys are like, you was in a rebellious state. Uh, what was the story behind that record? That was just us just having fun because we, when, when did that start in Detroit then? Yeah, the craziest was in Detroit. Yep, in yep. Detroit, yeah. So we started doing that out there. Almost all of our songs, honestly, infamous. We get it from like just vibes and crowds. Yeah, it's all party oriented. So we'll go out there and perform something live, or hear something live, or mm -hmm. do something on the stage one time, and and then we'll go back because we be filming the stuff all the time. And that, especially back then, we would film it and w watch the show. And and then Tretchen will just watch Tretchen just watch the show all day on the on the ride to the next city. So we would just hear certain things, and we would take little parts that we may have did just on the fly and say, okay, that could be a song. Mm -hmm. And then visually, visually for that video, um, back in the mid '90s, New Jersey was the stolen car capital of the world. So it was really wild out in the streets of New, I mean, uh, North New Jersey, East Orange, Irvington. A lot of young cats stole cars. So that's why you see in that video, those are actual stolen cars. They had a guy take a police siren and stick it on top of the car, like a detective's uh, police siren, stick it on top of a stolen car. And back then, they used to go find police, run up on them, bump the police, and then make them chase them all around. So we had actual footage of stolen cars in that craziest video. So yeah, it was crazy back then. 
It was literally crazy. I actually saw a documentary on Netflix with Tretch uh, the other day. It was about like stolen cars in, in Jersey. Uh, KG, I want to ask you specifically for the production side. We have this whole new movement of reviving R&B and, uh, you know, you producing for Next, uh, Too Close and Wifey. Go to Classic Records. As a matter of fact, I played uh, Wifey like two weeks ago on Shade 45. Uh, what was the concept behind those records? What, about Too Close or Wifey? Yeah, yeah b- b- both those uh- records. Too Close was written by R.L. So um, the concept came from R.L. with his crazy behind, just (laughs) talking about he... He was a young sex machine, you know? Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Them them dudes was was wild. They were Young horny guys. They were wild. They were young and wild. Brought them up to Jersey to hang out with us and to work on that project out of Minnesota. They were wide-eyed and just wild. And that was a record that he was where he was talking about like dancing up on a girl and the girl making a making him get hard. That's what Too Close is really about. And another oh, like time. literally, yeah, Too Close is like Too Close is similar to OPP. You know, yeah. if you really listen to the lyrics and hear what's going on in the record, you're like, wait, he's talking about dancing up on a girl and catching and, a boner in the club. Exactly. <laughs> and if you if you listen to it, it's like when you say you're making it hard for me. He's he's saying like like he's making you making it hard for me, but he's really saying you're making it hard for me. <laughs> right, right. In, in a metaphoric aspect, and then Wifey was such a different record in the sense right. that it was right. more of like a up tempo, like you know, kumbaya. You know, we're we're in the club with my my girlfriend. Uh, and what was the difference between that and and the two close joint? Well, Wifey was on his second album. That's a little bit of growth. By yeah. then, I had a little, couple of girlfriends. They had or had a girlfriend and settled down and slowed down. And it wasn't as wild. Made some money, slowed down, and probably found them a wifey and figured that, okay, now I can wife this chick. So you, yeah. you be my wifey. <laughs> yeah, after the fun young days, we had this new ill-town slugger situation. So we were kind of talking a little bit about it um, off air while we was playing that music video. Uh, what is the concept behind this new venture that we have? Yeah, so the concept behind the um, Slugger Music Ventures is that KG and I, you know, KG has always had the record label Divine Mill and put out new artists. I've always been the marketing guy, you know, with the merchandise and being on the front lines with the, uh, you know, the social media and the internet and everything. We just decided to combine forces because, you know, we felt that Naughty could put out more music and we should have put out more music. But, hey, we've been around for 30 years, man. And, we, you know, sometimes that energy just doesn't equal consistency. So we were like, you know what? We could create a new entity, man, and we could put on a lot of new artists and we could just keep being creative. You know what I'm saying? Because we know that Naughty Legacy is solid. We'll always be touring. We'll always be doing our thing, but we still yearn and KG loves developing and breaking new artists. So we formed this Illtown Sluggers platform, Slugger Ventures, and the Slugger Music label just to put out new, creative, strong, hungry artists. Uh, what what is developing like uh, you know music in 2020 like for example I mean you guys have been making music since the 80s um, and obviously the strategy is different with social media the way people receive music do you find it more difficult now KG than back then to get it out in a sense well now artist development has become just social media the whole yeah. thing and record companies are just like hey what do, what do your social numbers look like what are you doing out there what TV show are you on you know what? What? What do? You, what do you have extra that's going to make you that just stand out to the public instead of developing artists? When we came up, it was like, okay, you're great. 
Let me see you perform. Okay, I see it in you. Now let's develop this part or let's develop that. And I get it. I understand it. Times have changed. But as a producer, I'm more into the talent. I just feel like at some point, it's gonna, it got to still all come down to the talent because all of that stuff can be fine and good. But when you push that person, that, just nudge them out to, on that stage by themselves and then they fall on their face, that's the end of it. And, then, and there's no staying power in that as well. So I'd rather sit down and develop an artist and make them become a full, wholesome artist so they can be around for a long time. Like we, like we, we've been around. I mean, 30 years, that's what we want. We're looking for artists, trying to develop artists that'll be around for 30 years. If you're going to invest time right now into something and put years into it, you might as well invest something that's going to, you know, stay here for years. Yeah. Well, and, and that's another thing, again, you know, the internet has created so much laziness, even including the labels, you know? Like Kay said, back in the day, you would get an artist who had all the potential in the world. They were gifted singers, gifted songwriters, but they may not have had that hustle, you know what I mean? But a label would identify that talent, invest in them, develop them, and bring them to life. Right now, all they're doing is scouring the internet, who has a wave. They don't care what kind of wave you got. As long as it equals some kind of numbers, they take that and exploit it. They don't care about the quality of music. They don't even care about the integrity of the artist. They don't even care if the artists are on the verge of death. You know what I'm saying? Creating beef and going out here to get killed. They don't care at all. And it's a real lazy, sad situation we have in music. That's why so much music is microwavable. You can't catch an OPP or a hip hop array records yeah. that last 30 years right now. Everything is so microwavable right now. Um, do you think streaming, just in your opinion, hurts or helps the music industry? The argument can be made where, you know, obviously streaming is, it, it makes the music more available to everyone. But when we look at like first week sales, it kind of looks disappointing in a sense when you see a younger artist who's on the radio, every, and I'm, this comes from someone that works in radio. I see a younger artist who's on the radio every single day. He's only selling 40,000 units on his debut week. I mean, you guys come from the era where someone could, you know, sell a half a million in a sense uh, their first week. So does does hurt or help hip hop? Yeah, it, it definitely hurts financially for the record label side. Like, take for instance, when we came out with OPP, um, we sold maxi singles. So they would be upwards of $6 per maxi cassette. You know what I'm saying? So you would have an A or B side, maybe an extra mix on it. You sold that cassette for five, six dollars. We sold two million of those cassette singles, you know? So that equals $10 million right there, $10, $12 million right there before you even got to the, the album. So Tom Silverman would tell us back in the day, like I made all of the money that I invested in the project off the singles alone. So then the album comes out and you sell another 2 million albums at an average of 15 to $18 per album. So do that math. You made a lot more money back in the day. And now that physical content is gone and it's all about the streaming, you know, the music is basically a loss leader, which is why they created the 360 deal. So they're like, well, you know what? If I'm going to invest in this artist and then I'm going to break that artist, but then Mr. Movie Company comes and takes him on a movie run and now I can't get another album until he comes off set or a sitcom grabs him for nine months and I 
can't get an album out of them or a soda company or clothing line come and exploit my investment and I can't see any of that. Plus I'm losing because there's no physical content. We need to restructure these contracts. And now I will sign you. I will invest in you, but it has to be a 360 situation where if you break, I need to eat 360 off of everything that's moving. Um, we, we see multiple different variations of hip hop since its inception. Um, uh, we've seen gangster rap, we've seen, you know, singing, we've seen everything moving forward. Where do you think the next wave of hip hop is coming? And, and we've all been around long enough to know that it changes every 10 years. So every 10, 15 years, where do you think it's ultimately going to end up? Hmm. Mm, that's a good I think I think I think it's a cross between what Post Malone is doing what Drake is doing Drake has even said you know hip-hop will become a lot more melodic look at what Roddy Rich is doing you know and then the music is going to evolve because now the internet makes the world that much smaller and I've always said you're going to see more artists breaking from different countries and different continents that you've never heard before so look at afrobeats what's happening with afrobeats right now and that sound is bleeding into american music so you're going to have all of these different outside influences and a lot of these outside influences are real authentic music base you know like afro beats or even a lot of your Latin and Caribbean music. So as long as that's incorporated into the new sound, I think, you know, hip hop as a whole will be more of a world music sound. Yeah. Me personally, I definitely love the melodic side. I mean, I've always been into melodic rap. You know what I mean? Obviously, you, you listen to Naughty by Nature. That's yeah. really what, you know, I love melodic. as a producer. So definitely, you know, like Ben said, the um, the melodic rappers and all that stuff. I definitely, I would love to see it go that way. It's almost to the point now, like I love boom bap hip hop and I love hardcore hip hop, but I, I just know that that's the core of it and it has to stay there. But moving forward with these young guys that didn't come up on that and don't care about that, they better at least be, you know, know how to melodic rap though. They better know how to do that. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And, and I'm kind of interested myself to see where hip hop is going to go moving forward. I mean, I, hopefully the social conscious aspect will integrate, especially with the things that are going on in the world. Right. Um, and maybe we can reincorporate lyricism in it to kind of express what the people are feeling. But right now, it's all about this new project that's coming out right now. Uh, so wh- where can we get this material that's going to be coming out under the imprint? Oh, um, all the material is on all the digital service providers. So Spotify, Pandora, you can get it on Apple Music. It'll be everywhere, you know. So we drop in this single, Ryan Lane, which is forever. We have Nicole Michelle, uh, her single. She has two, Whatever I Want, and Phenomenon. And around August, September, we're going to drop the entire compilation album. And you'll see KG and Vim Rock with our whole Ill Town Sluggers, Slugger Music crew moving around in these buildings, man post-COVID and, and taking it to the streets, man, so these people could see these artists live. Yeah. Uh, fellas, I appreciate you coming on Boom Bat Nation Live Interactive Series. Uh, final question. Will we get some Naughty by Nature music maybe moving forward? Definitely. Definitely. I was about to say that. Also, just be on the lookout. We have Naughty by Nature music. Tretch is out shooting films right now, doing a lot of stuff. So 
like Ben mentioned earlier, like Tretch is still in the fold. We have records, Naughty by Nature records in the fold. They're in the vault right now and they will be coming. And we also have a joint project with Next. We have a Naughty, a Naughty Next project that we're putting together too. So oh, so an actual, an actual uh, joint venture. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have an EP. Really? Naughty and Next together, EP, yeah. Really? So, and, so, and so how, was that, how was that structured, that a project? It's it's next. It's gonna be next singing on on all the hooks and singing through it and um. And That's the both front. worlds, hip hop and R and B. You know what I mean? And hey, I'm a I'm a I'm a give Boom Bap Nation an exclusive sneak peek leak, yo. Your homie Burner Boy, the Afrobeats Don, just reached yeah. out to us, sent us a crazy track, man. So we're looking forward to making that collaboration happen with Burner Boy, and we're gonna burn down all the clubs with this one, yo. So be on the lookout for that. No, I super appreciate it. Matter of fact, we actually have someone that just jumped in the chat right now. He actually works at Sirius XM. My God, Tone Vera, what's up, brother? What up, Victor? Yo, what's up, what's up? Yo, <laughs> Vinny, KG, what's going on, bros? Hi, hi. What's up, man? Oh, yo, he's I'm actually here with him. He's another Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> yo, no doubt. Yo, you guys remember that video, Dirt All By My Lonely, when y'all on the bikes and stuff? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. My best friend right here, Kev, he was just watching the video, and me and him, we used to ride bikes. And when we were younger, we saw that video, and we're like, yo, I wonder if they're actually doing the tricks on the bikes or if you guys had stuntmen for that. Nah, we wasn't doing it. Nah, that was a stunt dude. That was a stunt dude. Yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) That's dope. That's dope. Nah, man. Big fan, man. Y'all keep doing your thing, man. I'm going to keep following the music. We have legendary uh, people here. We got KG and Vin. Hold on, Uncle Vin. Uh, where did that name come from, the Uncle Vin thing? Uh, was that something like a nickname from before? Well, Uncle Vin came from um, the rhyme I made in the craziest racket. You know, um, I said, the sleeping MC, I eat like a plenty. Lyrically spanking you, that's why they call me Uncle Vinny. So Uncle was like, that was like our third album, craziest, right? That was like our third album. So we were progressing in a game, and I was about 25, 26 years old. Plus, I've been an uncle since I was five years old. So all of my family calls me Uncle Vinny. And I just put it out there to the hip-hop community. I'm lyrically spanking you. That's why they call me Uncle Vinny. Oh, Uncle Vinny the builder. I, I think the other guy was having some issues. All right, so real quick, it, uh, Boom Bap Nation Live Interactive Series. I'm your host, the infamous Amadeus. We have uh, Uncle Vin and KG from Naughty by Nature, Ill Town Sluggers. Uh, fellas, final thoughts, anything you want to tell the people Boom Bap Nation? Um, first of all, I mean, congratulations on your million uh, subscribers, your million followers, <laughs> man. Y'all keep doing y'all thing. Keep that Boom Bap hip-hop rocking and keep it authentic. Thanks for having us. Look out for Naughty by Nature because next year, 2021, we're celebrating our 30th anniversary. So we'll make sure we get all three members back up here to chop it up with you guys and celebrate this 30th anniversary with us and be on the look out for the Illtown Sluggers movement, the Slugger music movement, Nicole Michelle, Ryan Lane. We got a whole crew of guys coming. And, yo, we're going to be out here, man. Oh, and also, go get some of that naughty gear. You know what I mean? We got that merchandise popping. Go to NaughtyByNature.com. Click shop. We've been killing them, man. We got all that fly, authentic naughty gear popping. Definitely. Make sure y'all look out for, like you said, Naughty By Nature, man. So we got a lot of stuff in, in store for you guys. We ain't going nowhere. We here to stay. Slugger Music is the label. And Nicole Michelle is coming up as an up and coming artist we have under us. Look out for Ryan Lane. Look out for Tanika. 
Also, look out for my man KO coming out of Minneapolis. Look out for all of my whole crew. Shout out my man E, e Eric Hall, Lady in the Tramp. Shout out everybody, the whole crew. My man OG, DJ OG, the whole crew, everybody out there. Jamal, shout out Jamal and Menza, the whole crew, man. And, and thanks to all of y'all, you know, out there, the fans. Most importantly, it's the fans, man, that's been rocking with us from day one, man, and, and stayed with us since day one. And, and even the DJs and everybody that's always showed us love and always, you know, every time we came with something or, or, or gave us a platform or gave us, you know, th their platform to allow us to speak and talk to everybody. So we, we've definitely been showed love, you know, throughout the years and you guys continue to show us love. So we, we respect that and we, we definitely appreciate it. All right. <laughs> Fellas, Fellas, I appreciate y'all coming on. The infamous Amadeus on behalf of Boom Bap Nation Live Interactive Series every single Thursday here on Facebook exclusively at 9 p.m. Hosted by myself. And you can hear the reruns on my podcast, The Infamous Hour, which is now on FM Radio. Can't believe it, fellas. In uh, 2020, I have a Boom Bap show on FM Radio across the country. Nice, nice, nice. Boom Bap, like you said, Boom Bap. Every, you need all kinds yeah. of free out here, man. That's boom right. Bap going nowhere. That's right. It's not only Sirius XM, but make sure you tune in to be there every Thursday, Sirius XM, 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. I right, once again, Boom Bat Nation Live Interactive Series. I'm your host, the infamous Amadeus. Peace and blessings to both my guests for coming through, KG and Uncle Vin. You're rocking. You're rocking. You're rocking. Yeah. With the number one party DJ. Doing it real big. Turn, 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 turn your, turn your, turn your speakers off. Back live on the Infamous Hour. Hashtag Boom Bap Nation Radio. Make sure you follow the Infamous Amadeus on social media platforms. Special thank you to everyone who listens on Sirius XM Shade 45 every single Thursday, 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. And outside all this, if you got balls, make sure you tap into my IG live on Wednesdays at 2 o'clock where I actually select artists to go to Shade 45 to actually spit some bars. Now, the prevalence of real hip-hop is coming back in the forefront, and the guy on the line has been doing it for a long time. He's worked with Diamond D, French Montana, Max B, and many more. Give it up for Oct2Gs in the building. What's up? Yo, 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 yo. We here, we here, baby. Uh, looking real quickly through the entire process of, uh, of what you've done from producing records to Max B, one of the things that stands out is actually being born on an army base because we're living in a time now where, you know, this military confrontation with the public is kind of just in the forefront of what we're seeing in the media and social media and our daily lives. Uh, what, are you, what are your kind of thoughts on what you're seeing unfold in front of your eyes? Um, I think it's more of a reality that we're seeing now. Um, a lot of things we never really knew about, even Juneteenth. Um, a lot of people didn't really know the information. And I think because of a lot of the things that's going on, it's actually bringing awareness. So I think there's a positive to the negative out of all of the things that's going on, to be honest. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. Uh, being from Harlem, especially the Sugar Hill section of Harlem, uh, what was that like growing up during your time that you were there? Uh, man, that was, that, was, that, was, uh, that was crazy because I had a chance to see a lot of a lot of things I probably shouldn't have seen as a young kid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But um, I came up around mob style. Shout out to AZ, Gangsta Lou, Pretty Tone, Whip Wop. Um, I was introduced to them by the little bro by um, AZ's little brother. So I got a chance to see a lot of things right, you know, in front of my eyes. And um, for the most part, man, it was it was um, it was a learning adventure because at the same time I was able to live out what I was talking about. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Um, and, and it's interesting that you say that because we kind of live in a time now where living what you talk about on the record doesn't seem to be important when it comes to hip-hop, young kids just kind of doing what they want. You, you think the code has kind of been blurred a little bit uh, with the way the younger generation is navigating? Uh, yeah, yeah, because they don't really have the information. The information is not there. They only, um, they're going off of, off of hearsay and the things that they they seen on the internet. So without the information, they kind of lost and they don't really understand what's going on, but they think it's cool because they see other people, you know, it's kind of like what they, they see as a group, they think is real. So if you got 10 people saying the same thing, then at the same time, they'll think that's a real thing because they they believe in it. And, you know, we living in an era of the era of uh, followers, you know what I mean? Yeah. I totally agree with you now. And your new video that we saw on Boom Bap Nation is kind of like a Michael Jackson spinoff where we saw Kid Capri. He was actually on a Kid Capri record. Turned it out. Uh, what is it like working with Kid Capri and how did that actual connection happen? Um, his 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 daughter's mother at the time used to manage me when I was signed to Daha Records. Shout out to Nat Nelson. Um, I was signed to a company called Daha Records distributed by Universal in 2000, 99, 2000. And, um, his daughter's mother, which is Vina Love, her, her mother used to manage me. And um, after the studio, she used to bring me to Jersey. Like, ah, you need to come out and get out the hood and, you know, come out to the house and be around kid. And she used to bring me around kid a lot. And um, kid took a real big liking to me. Like, like we was practically like brothers from the jump. And um, I used to stay in the basement with him all day. And then it got to the point where every time he would go to get on the road and go DJ for parties around the world, he would be like, ah, come on. You know what I mean? And I would just be a roadie and carry his records, and and that's how I started. Yeah. And um, anyone from the Bronx or Harlem is synonymous with DITC, Digging in the Crates, Fat Joe, Big L, uh, Lord Finesse, and, of course, Diamond D. And you were on the Diamond Mine album, four records. I mean, be able to be on four records on one project. I mean, round of applause for that. Guys can't even get Ooh, half of a record. They can't, they, they, can't even get, they can't even get eight balls on the record. You got four records on time and And I work in radio, so it's like I, I kind of see like how these things uh, kind of unfold. But working with Diamond D, such a you know respected producer, what was that like? Uh, that was a great experience, man. Diamond is so humble. Um, shout out to Diamond D. Shout out to Sadat X. They all embraced me on that project, uh, especially Dottie. Dottie already knew about me from being on Hot 45th with Gangsta and everybody, so he knew me from the streets. So when Dottie seen me in the studio with, with, uh, with Diamond, you know, Dottie was like, ah, what you doing here? You know, he knew me on some street shit, mm-hmm. and it was crazy. So he knew everything I was talking about and laying for Diamond. Diamond needed that Harlem element a part of his project, and they really reached out to me and reached out to Kid and, and got to me, and um, Diamond was a, was a blessing. You know what I mean? Him and 45 King. I meant to uh, had to add that to my bio too, because Forty Five King also produced joints for me, which did Hard Knock Life and Stand for Eminem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wrong applause for that. Resume Definitely. on fleek. Now it kind of seems like that the narrative in this interview is going to go back to street culture and hip hop because another guy you work with is Max B, and Max B is super respected. Um, we often kind of have an argument where it's like, some people feel like he would be further if it would not have been for jail. Some people feel otherwise. In your opinion, do you think Max B should be credited for the wave? And more importantly, do you think he would be at superstar level in 2020? Oh, definitely, man. Max would have took out, oh, man. Max would have definitely changed the game 
I think he would have changed the direction of the game because Max was actually living out a lot of he was saying too. Yeah. Um, Max was a true believer and stood behind everything he said and everything he did. He wanted to change music. I don't think Max wanted to be a part of music. I think he wanted to change music. And um, he basically put a lot of emphasis on everything he said and everything he did. And he just made a bad decision. That's all it was. If, if it was that, you know what I mean? Um, but from what I do know, from being around him, and don't get me wrong, I'm not going to make it seem like me and Max was like brothers and all that. Me and Max kind of joined hip based on other people that was feeding off of a record that I had called G'd Up with my brother Henny. Mm-hmm. And it was getting a lot of spins in the, in the, in the strip clubs and a lot of places and uh, local spots. And Max B just kind of adapted to the record so much that by the time I met Max, that he felt like he knew me. He's singing the song and embracing it so much. It was like, I knew who Max B was through Dipset. I didn't really know him. So we knew of each other, but by the time we met each other, it felt like we knew each other for years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the resume is looking incredible. Either work with directly or affiliation. We got French Montana on there. We got Head Ice. A lot of people don't even know who Head Ice is. That's my guy. We got Loaded Lux on there. We, we have some affiliation with Red Man and Method Man. Of course, we got my brother DJ Wukid is also on Shade 45. Um, anyone you haven't worked with yet that may be on your radar where you may want to produce or write for or any type of, of flow like that? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a couple of artists out there. I definitely, you know what I mean? I'm chasing down. I mean, I'm, I'm a grinder. You know what I mean? I also, um, I built a lot of networking with my brother M Rec. I also produced for M Rec that he does his rap too. You know what I mean? And, um, I built some, some resources through him. So it's a lot of Brooklyn artists that I reached out to. I, um, believe it or not, I like the kid Troy Ave. I like Troy Ave, you know what I mean, as an artist. I can't feel who he is personally and all that, but I like certain, you know, certain artists. I like Troy Ave. There's certain artists that I like, you know what I mean, I would like to work with, you know, that I see the younger potential, you know what I mean, coming up in this business. And that's what I like to do, too, as a producer. I like to get behind great artists, you know what I mean? That's always been my thing. That's how I kind of got with Lux, because um, Lux knew me through through, um, making G'd up and working with Max B and French and all that. And then by the time I met Lux, it was kind of like a real connection. You know what I mean? So I got behind him, and that's how I came up with the Red and Mesh and all that. And I, I wish I, could, I had time to tell you the story, how that came about. But, um, you know what I mean? I like getting behind great artists. So it's a couple of artists out there I definitely want to get behind. Um, as, as a veteran, a uh, final question before we get into this new record, uh, remember, um, are we receptive as a veteran producer, rap artist in the game? Are we receptive to the new wave? Um, often at times I kind of feel there is a, you know, rejection process from the elder statesmen of hip hop. The majority of them when it comes to the newer wave, I, I don't know if it's because they feel like the, the elements of hip hop are not being appreciated. I'm not really sure what it is exactly, but in your opinion, are you receptive to what's going on? Yes, I'm very receptive to what's going on because it's the future of hip-hop. It just it doesn't have a balance. I, I think we, we came up when it was more of a balance to it. You know what I mean? It was more mystique. So it's kind of like, you know, we had to wait on certain things to actually happen. Now they're already there. So it's kind of like you don't have the appreciation of the value of a record. You know what I mean? So with that being said, anybody can do anything and then there's no boundaries. So... I'm receptive of the, the new generation of rap, but for the most part, I still had to maintain and keep my lane and do what I do best. And I didn't want to jump into what they're doing and, and I had to understand that process because you could get caught up. You know what I mean? 
you could you could definitely get caught up in this business where you feel like you outdated or unappreciated. You know what I mean? But once I found my lane, you know, thank God for Kid Capri. I gotta give it up for Kid, man. Like, like, like really big because I wanted to leave the whole Michael Jackson record alone. He kept pushing it, and people just kept calling XM Radio for it and kept calling it. And then it started really taking off. So, you know what I mean? God bless to that, man. And and, and I, I, I found the lane. You know what I mean? Yeah, round of applause for my guest, Oct2Gs. So we have this new project, the Michael Jackson Experience. We have the first single, remember, uh, is the project uh, OD to Michael Jackson. What is the kind of concept behind this? Uh, so the concept behind the Michael Jackson Experience is basically I got all the – well, I can say all because he got so many hits, you know what I mean? But um, I got some of the most special records that I think Michael Jackson was a part of. And what I did was I took some of the Michael Jackson's um, loops and um, the music, basically, and just added my flavor to them as far as the vocals and the, um, the beat production, you know what I mean? So um, that's what the Michael Jackson experience is about. It just added my flavor to his music and added my, my production to this music and just kind of make a collaboration on that. You know what I mean? Wow, makes super sense. Round of applause again. It's like the fifth round of applause in this, in this interview. Uh, so we have this new record. Remember, we're going to debut right now on the infamous hour. Shout out to all the FM station, Madison, Wisconsin, Kentucky, uh, Pittsfield, Massachusetts, and, of course, Monument, Colorado. I'll let you take the airway, shout your social media, and debut your record. Yes, sir. It's your boy, Oct2Gs. That's A-H-K-2-G-S on Instagram. A-H-K-2-G-S. The number two, G-S. And I got my website where you can buy the Michael Jackson Experience. That's A-H-K-2-G-S music.com. Oct2Gs music.com. And get that thing and look out for rock and soul. He's the only DJ that makes your girl take her clothes off. Oh! Oh, Back live on the Infamous Hour. I'm your host, the Infamous Amadeus. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, the FM radio show at the Infamous Hour, all social media platforms, and make sure you follow myself, the Infamous Amadeus, Instagram, Twitter, and anywhere you can find me at by just hitting that Google. Now, one of the things that you know that I like to do here on the Infamous Hour, as well as SiriusXM, Shade 45, I like to support real lyricism, people who believe in the culture of hip-hop. And right now, I have Coney Island's own Jay Carter. What's up, brother? You already know, Carter, That's right. Now, Coney Island, New York, has a resurgence of hip-hop. We have Nems coming from there. We have uh, Lil D, who I think is super underrated. He's 14 years old. I don't even understand how he even uh, still spits balls. We have D Chambers. And now we have Jay Carter. Where does this inspiration to do real hip-hop come from? Yo, man, it just comes, like, I'm an old-school cat, man. So it just, it just comes from my life experiences, man, like, like I've been through, man, like, you know, I've been through a lot growing up in Coney Island through the rough ages and, you know, just my whole life experiences and going through a penal system and having, going through four state business, 16 years in the penitentiary, really shaped and mold the person who I am today and got a lot to do with the bar that I spit. Yeah. 16 years uh, in the penitentiary is definitely a long time. Uh, what are some of the things that you learned in jail that you apply to hip hop? Yo, man, jail was just like a whole different, like, I started at a young age, man, so, you know, like, when the average 16, 17-year-old was going to school, I was already doing my first year in solitary confinement, 23 hours locked down in the cell. So my mindset is different, you know, 
predict those type of situations. It's going to do two things to you. It's going to come out of it. It's going to either make you a break you, unfortunately, it made me. And uh, it's it just, you know, at that time, I didn't even, I didn't even know I could rap. I didn't come to way later on, and then I just started putting my bars together, and just, just everything that I've been through. It just, it made me a better person today, though. But you know what? Better late than never, man. Because I, I came home 2010 and never looked back, man. So you know, that's it. Um, we're seeing a nationwide sweeping movement for police reform all across the country, from the White House down to governors and local officials. In your opinion, what do you think can be done to help? Not only police reform, but police in general relationships with local communities. Yo, what they need to do is, is what they're doing now. Watch a lot of notes. So I'm kind of on top of that, man. They need to get rid of all these plain clothes, Ninja Turtle cops jumping out on dudes, you know, and, and just doing dudes wrong. They need to get get back to the community, defund the, the police, put funding back into the community, back into the recreation centers, so kids that have something to do after school instead of being on the street nothing to do hungry starving and picking up drugs and shooting and all that so I think if we could start with that ban chokeholds and you know and just and just have a whole new training man because the whole mindset of policing these days is still the old mindset man from the 60s 70s and 80s that policing mindset never changed I think it is it'll change if they start with, with, with uh, training better training and start banning some of these tactics man chokeholds and all those little crazy stuff yeah, round of applause for you Super knowledgeable. Uh, 2020 is a different time for hip hop. Jay Carter, we, we have auto tune, we have drill music, we have crunk, uh, we have just all these other aspects of music. And then we have this new hip hop community of lyricists and people really spitting bars and staying in tune to the culture. Who are some of your influences, um, you know, growing up and made you inspired to be in hip hop? Yo, growing up, man, like, yo. I like I like I like the uh, the naughty by nature, you know, the old school cat of uh, Ken, um, LL Cool J, definitely Jay Z, Lil Wayne, you know, uh, Drake, you know. But that, but growing up, you know, that bringing it to today. But growing up, I would definitely say it had to be uh, Ken at being Ken growing up, man. That was those are like when I was listening to that little. As a little kid, that gave me my inspiration and really like try to put some balls together. Yeah, uh, Rockem is often mentioned in most people's top five um, MCs. But on a sports tip, uh, New York City. I mean, Stephon Marbury is also considered top five when you think of people that have played and have, have, have bounced around. And you have some sort of relation to Stephon Marbury. Can you explain it? Yeah, yeah. So I'm Puerto Rican and black. A lot of people see me. I look Puerto Rican, but. I'm black, so from my father's side, that's my cousin. We grew up together, same project and everything, Coney Island. That's big cousin. you know, he finished his career over there in China. They also got a little, you know, a little, little flick out about him, too. You know, the kid from Coney Island, people should check that out, too. So, you know, he's he, he doing it. He's doing his thing, you know. He wants some championships over there in China. They even got a statue of him out there. So, he's trying to, man, you know, and he's just, you know, keeping positive vibes. And, you know, I'm trying to get my son, you know, on that basketball track, too, right there. You know, he won a little championship in school, so, you know. Be on lookout for Luke J.J. Carter. Yeah. Um, we, we, have, we have this record that we've been playing on Shade 45. We've been playing on FM radio stations all over the country, RNS. Uh, if you want to know the title, you got to actually go to Google. We, yeah, we, we, we're yeah. censored, so we can't say the things that we would say on Sirius XM. How did this whole record with Mano come about? Yo, that came about, man. I was in the studio one day in Brooklyn, man. I met Sean Skills. That's my producer, platinum producer. He did the whole Onyx album. 
I started working with him. Home uh, chilling one day, he started working with me. You know, I got the phone call, jumped in the 550, ran to Manhattan, met me, you know, got the introduction, hung out a few times. Then she, you know, called me like a week later, yo, son, yo, good one, do join with Mano, no doubt, came through, threw the beat on, Mano went him and cheese. I was blown back because I already had wrote my verse to the joint, but when I heard Mano going, I had to rewrite my joint, and then that was it, man. After that, you know, I dropped that. Now we got 50,000 uh, streams on the Spotify, you know, the song gaining ground, so that's good. Yeah. Um, from a marketing perspective, being an unsigned artist is treacherous. A lot of people don't really understand. You know, we, we hear this concept of unsigned artists and being independent and owning your masters. But you are an unsigned artist. Uh, what are some of the tactics that you're using marketing, promoting your record? Yo, the best tactics, man, that I'm just now learning really to really control my music. Other than, you know, registering your music with ASCAP. ASCAP to get your publishing and everything and writer's credentials in order that Spotify for Artists app is everything. That app right there allows you to control your music digitally. It allows you to see all your streams from every country and every city. Right now, I'm getting mass streams up in Germany, so I'm about to go out to Germany soon. And it's just a good tool because with, with the new technology and the new digital ever these days, Spotify Artists for App is the only app that allows artists to see where their music is being streamed, not only all over the world, but also all over the cities in the United States of America. It's a good tool to, to, to use, and as an as a, uh, unsigned artist, that's, that's, that's the best tool to use right now. Yeah. Um, being a street guy in the 90s and the 80s in relation to hip-hop was kind of one and the same. Uh, we, we saw things like integrity. We saw you know your credibility have to be directly related to hip-hop. If you were emceeing, you spoke about certain things, you needed to do these certain things. But it kind of seems like in 2020, this is no longer the case. We got guys that are able to, to rat, come home, you know, be number one on YouTube. Where's the disconnection in your opinion? I like to ask everybody this. I, I, I like to ask everyone this because everyone has different opinions. Um, so in your opinion, what do you think the disconnection between street culture and hip-hop has happened? Yeah, what happened was, man, Sammy Bull made it cool to snitch, man. That's what happened, man. Once Sammy Bull started snitching, man, that messed up the whole game. So street credibility, man, still good to have, man. A lot of people don't have it. A lot of people talk about it, and they're using and not really about it. I just leave that wizard at, you know what I'm saying? Everything I rap about is what I've been through in my life experiences and everything that I did. Some people want to rap about things they didn't do, but the music is good and people like it. I don't knock it. But I just think that went wrong when people just lost all morals when, you know, people just started turning each other in and just thought it was cool to rat and I don't know, man. I just I just I just try to keep it real. I keep it mean, man. That's all I can say about that. Yeah, round of applause for you. Integrity is super important. So we have this new record called RNS featuring Mano. Uh what else are we expecting moving forward? Are we getting an album, an EP? Do we have any other features? Who are no, we yeah, yo, yo, we got an album coming better late than never, but before that I'm gonna drop another single for addiction that's dropping July twenty third. That's just me, J Card Addiction, also produced by platinum producer Sasha Skills. He passed away, so rest in peace to him and his family. You know, he's looking down. I'm gonna keep the movement going on, seven nineteen music. But uh, yeah, 723, Addiction, J. Carter dropping, Spotify, Apple Music, everywhere. Y'all already know where to catch it. All right, super dope. Real quick, shout your social media. And I'm going to give you the platform. Let's introduce, I'm going to let you introduce this record with Mano. 
Yo, 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 it's your boy Jay Carter, a.k.a. Coach Carter, a.k.a. Welcome back, Carter, a.k.a. Chilly Willie. Getting in with Mano. Y'all already know Jay Carter Mano, RNS, Instagram, Jay Carter underscore raps. That's J-C-A-R-T-E-R underscore R-A-P-S. Follow your boy, stream that music. Y'all already know. Be on the lookout. 723 Addicts. Here we go. And once again, I'm the infamous Amadeus. Round of applause for Jake Carter for pulling up to the infamous hour. Shout out to everyone listening to Colorado, Wisconsin, Massachusetts, and many, many other platforms. This is RNS, Jake Carter featuring Mano here on the infamous hour.